Thank you for listening to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Star Strength and Conditioning. We believe that by creating positive habits in sleep, mindset, nutrition, relationships, movement, mobility, and training, you have the ability to become better than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Better Than Yesterday podcast uh, here with Paul Dick. And my guest is Corey King. I'm very excited to have her on the show been wanting to have her uh, here for a podcast for a very long time, and then finally we just made it happen, right, Corey? <laughs> we did. So we're very, very excited to have her here. This is probably the most prep I've seen anyone do for any of our podcasts. Like she's got like three books out in front of her with like re- like her own writing and everything like that, and then a couple couple novels off to the side and everything. So <laughs> she is definitely more prepared for this podcast than I am, but uh, I'm just going to kind of lead her through it. And if I take off for a little while, she'll probably just be able to keep going with it. So, um, so welcome, Corey. Oh, thanks, Paul. Um, I'm really happy to be here. Of course, you know, a little bit of nerves too. I've never done a podcast before. Never. I've never done one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can call me Chatty Kathy. So I do, I do like chatting. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, we're going to find, I'm just going to adjust her mic. Oh, so okay. yeah, there we go. Super. Good. So, um, yeah, let, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like growing up, I know like we've, we were just talking for a while now, probably for like half an hour now before the podcast started. <laughs> but, um, so we've known each other for about 15 years and it's cool because like Corey's been doing so much different stuff like you've you've done the bodybuilding thing Mm -hmm. um you've done adventure races like mountain biking um ms bike tours like Mm -hmm. we've known each other for a while climbing yeah yeah mountain climbing (laughs) and you've you've done a ton of stuff so um i i know we've got a lot to to go over and uh i kind of want to start off like you know when when you were a kid like were you active were you like what what was little Corey like oh my gosh (laughs) wasn't she something um you know, I came from a small town, Kenora, well, Kuwait in Ontario, actually. I have one older brother um, who I love dearly. Um, Mom and dad are still there. My brother's still there and his family. My dad was always a really active person. He worked in the mill. You know, he's a millwright, a good blue-collar working class. Uh, my mom was a health care aide, um, worked full-time, uh, very much a nurturer, you know, might come... Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, so we played every sport. We were sort of free-ranged kids where you went outside in the morning mm-hmm. and you played all day. Either you biked, you swam, you built snow forts, and you got called in when the sun went down. And you ate and you went to bed. And because my parents both worked full-time, you know, there's a lot of those years that my brother and I fended for ourselves in a sense that when we got home from school, we had to start the wood stove because we had no other form of heat in our home. Um, Yeah, so it was... How old were you starting this wood stove? (laughs) Well, probably grade two or three, we'd have to walk home and and start because mom and dad would still be at work or whatever. And dad would get up at four in the morning, start the stove. So when we got up for school, um, the house was somewhat warm. You know, the dog dish would be frozen solid if he didn't. So, yeah. you know, and we, we came from very little. Um, and my parents, you know, came from even less. So Kurt, Kurt and I were fortunate. We, we really had a, a good life. Um, so my dad was is very much, I think I take after him where he's very adventurous. Okay. And he's always wanting to try stuff new. Um, 
even if you fail at it, he just always did it. My dad was uh, into judo. He actually was um, a a sensei, an instructor, and he was a deep sea diver. I wouldn't say sea, but in the lakes in Kenora, right? But he dived. Um, Very athletic man. Always, you know, without being active, fishing, hunting too as well, because we're definitely on the hick side of things, right? So outdoors was very important. It was a huge part of our life. My dad also had his own airplane, little float plane. So we would fly all over Northwestern Ontario and just dip into lakes around and fish off the pontoons. And so we had a really amazing experience as kids. We had a little bit of everything. Um, I played all sorts of sports. And again, it was just being, you were active all the time. There was no sitting down and watching TV. Mm-hmm. You know, get to your teenage years, there was high school sports or so. Again, in a small town, you were limited to what you could do because we only had so much. And the teams that I played on, we did travel a lot because there was no real place to play. And I was always, always loved the athletic side of life. And fast forward again, you know, of course, you you know, you're dating, you're doing stuff, but you're still living the small town life. And, uh, you know, I ended up eventually years later, I met Bill, um, got married. So was, was that through judo? Was it? No, it's so no. funny. Um, you would think it would be because my, if any people who don't know, Bill was, um, he is a third degree black belt. Um, he was... Um, on Canada's national team, trained for many years. He was the Olympic gold hopeful for in back in the 1980 games um, and world championship, and he broke his back just before competition, and it ended his career. It was really quite tragic and sad. And so, again, with Bill's tenacity and his integrity and his... I have a lot of respect for my husband because he faced a really difficult time when your whole life was training for one moment Mm -hmm. and that moment now got taken away and he went through a really hard time and he pushed through, threw himself into education, got multiple degrees and thought, okay, well then this is what I'm going to do. I just look at that sort of mentality for anybody that who's faced adversity that took the next right step to get themselves out of that. So, you know, he ended up back in Kenora. He now has multiple degrees and a CA. He's a chartered accountant. Started working for a little wee furniture company in Kenora. And that's actually how I met him. I went to apply for a job. They did not give me the job, but I got a date. Okay. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) came out of it with something, right? Came out of it with something. It's a win. Yeah. So um, we became a partner with the Dufresne Group. And uh, we're with them for 24, 25 years. And Bill um, was an owner and shareholder and uh, an executive. And he then we partnered up with Ashley Furniture, which became an umbrella under the Dufresne Group. And he ran the Ashley side in Canada. And we did that, like I said, for many, many years until we retired. Oh, but through that, there's like lots that happened all through those years, of course. Um, But yeah, so, you know, fast forward, three kids, here I am today, my kids are all adults, and, you know, all I want to do is sit here and I can tell you about the things that, uh, you know, most my husband and I have been through over the years and how we sort of navigated and managed to the best of our ability, but... At the core of all of that, at the core of the 30, 40 years, was always 
fitness. And I, I, I don't want to say just training. I want to just say just active fitness training, however you want to. Um, that has sort of been at the core of, of for me, um, how to deal with everything. <laughs> so, and sort of setting that example for my kids. So was it, was it, were you always having goals and training for something or was it like you were just happy moving and doing something? I was happy moving and I was happy. I love playing on sports teams as well because, again, it's the camaraderie of of fellowship, right? Yeah. Um, That was also super fun. And then it became, I don't know how it happened, but it turned into like just coping. Like I needed to go for that, you know, 10K run or I needed to go for that bike or I needed to do something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that led into, oh, let's run a marathon. Okay, you know, and like, it was always sort of, and I, I was always interested in the gym and weightlifting. And I have to be, I'll tell you this funny story. And kind of, back in the day, I'm talking like 30 or more years ago, when I would walk into a gym, a weight gym, and that was like the old 45s and, you know, some machines, but like I, I'd walk, I was completely lost. And there was not a damn woman in sight. There was a few dudes, big dudes, you know, big chest, little wee legs. But <laughs> how do you walk on those things? Yeah, yeah. Like, just a typical gym. And I'd walk in, I was so <clears throat> intimidated. I had no idea what I was doing, but I'm like, I just, there was a, I wanted to be there so bad. Mm. And I would go home and I would pull out my encyclopedias on weightlifting, the Arnold's Bible, and I would look yeah. at stuff and I would ask questions. And we didn't have the internet. There back was no then. Google then. <laughs> there was you couldn't no Google. Google. How do I get bigger pecs? There's, exactly. <laughs> and I remember I went to this one little gym in Kara and I hired a trainer and he, it was definitely a different approach back then. So I remember I couldn't walk for about three weeks after. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. Anyway. So three weeks is a long time. Oh, that's not, that's not good. You know, put another plate on. And when you're a kid, like yeah. I was a young woman, I had no, I had no understanding of weight training. Mm. You know, yes, I could run, I could ride a bike, I could do all, I could swim, I could do all that other stuff and play soccer and ringette and hockey, but I didn't know anything about lifting weights, but I really wanted to. Um, so then I just started to teach myself whether it was right or wrong or my form was, I had no idea. And I'd look in the mirror and go, I don't know if this looks good. And I'd look over at the next guy over next. Well, what's he, I'll do what he's doing. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> he's not doing it right either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows, yeah. right? So I just kind of kept at it and kept at it. And I would, you know, I was running more. I was doing more triathlons. I was, and I just kept at it. And I saw my body start to change. I was like, oh, this is really cool. But I didn't start because of that. I started because I needed to quiet my mind so I could think because I had stress and I didn't know how to get through the day without it. Yes, it was nice to cross a finish line. Yes, it was nice to set a bar to get to. And I quickly learned that it wasn't the finish line on anything. It was the journey to get there that kept me going throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And I, I was grateful that I was recognizing that because there, I never needed motivation. Like never once did I need motivation to get up and work out whatever you want to call that. Mm-hmm. It was literally a drive and I couldn't stop it if I wanted to. And Bill would say to me, have you ran today? I'm like, no, he's like, you need to go for a run. And it was, it was to that point. And I'm glad that I chose that avenue 
to focus and center what was going on in my mind and I wasn't doing something destructive. Yeah. So when I say fitness is literally at the core of who I am, I recognized right away that it was a behavior that was potentially going to save my life. Because if I would have chosen a different way to deal with whatever I was going through, I wouldn't probably be sitting here talking to you. Hmm. And, and, and that's the truth of it for me. And along that journey in fitness became such a love and a passion and a community of everything I've done. It has been what other than my children, it has been the biggest, most important, proud thing of my life. And I'm not an Olympic athlete. I'm not a professional anything, but I needed that for me in my life to ground me. And from there I could grow. So good times, bad times, everything, the core to me, pardon me, is physical. So, yeah, I mean, everybody has a story and how they choose to um, navigate through their life. Everybody's unique. I can only tell you what has worked for me um, and how that has taught me more than I could have ever imagined. And that's why, you know, we're sitting here talking and there's, there's sort of a foundation that, that Bill and I sort of live by. And I, and I include Bill a lot because without him, you know, he's been one of my biggest advocates, right? He's my cheerleader. He's everything. And I, uh, I'm very fortunate that I met a, a person like Bill um, because we've been both be able to grow individually and together. And I'm not saying any relationship is perfect, and we've definitely had to work hard at it. But, you know, there's these five foundations um, that we really, truly have, have tried to follow and live by, and by no means have we got it right or perfect. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Um, you know, but the first one is sort of that first mountain. It's the five mountains. And, uh, you know, we learned this, like I was saying to, to you, Paul, earlier, I actually went and trained with the Navy SEALs in San Diego. I think it was in 2018 we went, 2017. Um, Pre-COVID. Yeah, oh, <clears throat> when people are hugging and kissing and dancing and doing all sorts of things and didn't have to wear a mask. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's sort of like a pillar of how you look at your life and the areas that you, some of us are really good at and some of us are really bad at or we just have to work on, right? Yeah. Um, so sort of the five key ones for us is like the physical mountain, physical development. There's the second one. It's the, the mental preparation. Uh, the third one is the emotional development. Now this one is a big tough one because this one can be a lot. And this one is hard for a lot of people. Um, there's the fourth mountain, the intuition and awareness, you know, your gut intuition, we, we need to tap into that a little bit more, I think. Yep. And then the next one, you know, Mark Devine calls it the Kokoro spirit. I just say spiritual, spirituality, whatever is for you. Like that is, that's an individual and that's a personal thing. So in those five key things, you know, when I'm sort of feeling lost and then I kind of like to come back to that, okay, where am I? What do I need? 
what do I need to get help with or what do I need to focus on? And it's hard to focus on all of them at the same time. It's pretty much impossible. Yeah. You know, we're human. We have life, work, families, responsibilities, grocery shopping, laundry. You know, yeah. it's tough to do. So we're just trying, you know, to do the best that we can. Yeah, not everything's in balance either. Like the past two years for people, nope. like you've, some people have had to shift their focus completely <clears throat> from, mm-hmm. you know, family and, and stuff to, mm-hmm. to just surviving in, mm-hmm. in work or, you know, keeping your job or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Right. But and it's been really painful for a lot of people. And I'm not just talking financially, which of course that's a big one, but that whole emotional, that whole holy shit, how are we going to get through this? Because all the things we had before as distractions, that was taken away for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting here going, my relationship doesn't look so good. Our money is actually, we're not in a really good place right now. Because the day-to-day life pre-COVID, you're just moving, grooving, and going on. A lot of people weren't thinking, well, it's going to happen if I can't work for two years or the money's half what it used to be or I'm stuck in the house with this person for a really long time, you know, like <clears throat> you only have one TV in the house sort of thing. Like you can't even send them off to another room. But uh, you, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of people struggle in different ways. Yep. And it became very divisive. And that was really sad because, you know, I'd had a, a conversation not too long ago with a friend of mine was just, no matter how you feel on whatever side of anything that's happened in the last while, try not to lose the people that you love over divisive issues that in probably five years, we're not even going to be thinking about anymore. Yeah. Um, it's really hard because sometimes people get very caught up and, you know, very emotional. Right. <laughs> and, and I respect that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that one's right or wrong. Please, you know, please don't get that way. I'm not here to debate any of that. But just remember, before all this, you really, you knew that person had different thoughts and values. You didn't care. You accepted them anyway. They were a good person. Yeah. Try not to lose that. You know, like don't end relationships or strain relationships so difficult that you can't get back to some sort of over this. I, you know, like yep. it's life's nope. too short for that. I know what you mean, Corey. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the, that's the one thing that kind of, I guess has bothered me the most over the past couple of years is just the way that people are treating people. And yep. mm-hmm. And it's like whatever, you know, whatever you decided to do vaccination wise or whatever, it's like, you know, I, to me, it, it didn't matter at all. And, you know, I respect everyone's decisions Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and I guess that's, that's the one thing that really, you know, bothered me throughout this whole thing. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. what people were saying and doing and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you know, Bill and I would have debates too. Like he would, and he's really good at playing devil's advocate. It just <laughs> fires me up, which is good because I like that kind of conversation and debate because I really like to be challenged about things that I don't think the same about. Yeah. I may walk away going, eh, 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 you know, I don't like think whatever they don't want they're talking about, but it makes me think. Mm-hmm. And I would get so angry at him that I would just stop and go, but he's got a point. Like he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. So then I think if I'm listening or hearing somebody speak of something that I don't necessarily agree with it's like well they have a point 
don't have to agree with it, but they're not totally wrong. Yeah. And people are innately good people. <laughs> you know, most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah, there's always whatever, but we'll talk about that when we get to the intuition. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I think it's unfair that what's happened in art and environment, whether you're a business owner, an employee, have a sick family member, whatever. We all need to have a little bit, take a breath, have a little bit of compassion. We really don't know what's happening in those people's lives. And I think the pandemic has really brought to the surface a lot of things in our society that we all need to work together on. And you can say that from any perspective. And I'm not talking about, yes, our healthcare. Yes, we all know that was bad before you know, the pandemic, but relationships within your community and how we treat one another. I hope that we come out of this with a little bit better understanding who somebody who opposes you. I really hope so because it's not worth losing a friendship or feeling ill towards something because I swear, I I, I promise you in 10 years from now, you're not going to think about these things anymore and you're going to lose a friendship or a family member over this. It's not worth it. Yeah. You got to move on from that. I agree. So, yeah. So well, anyway, what are we going to get talk about now? Well, that's we we kind of covered the first mountain there. And I guess you could call it whether it's whether it's your five mountains or five pillars or five core values or yeah, you whatever. You call it whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, and another thing too when we're talking about that whole physical one, mm-hmm. and I'm sure again you've probably talked about this before. But what's another thing that I also think about and, and like to have conversations with people is what is your exit strategy? And we can talk about this in business because Bill and I both have exit strategies in business because you have to. And what is your exit strategy? And this is like kind of a quote again I got from that awesome dude that, you know, invented the uh, the Spartan races there. What's his name? Oh, I don't even know. Oh, Joe DeSena. Okay. Oh, this guy's so interesting. He's the founder of the Spartan Games. Okay. So he has a really interesting way of looking at life. He's like, can I swear on here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So. Go ahead. Fuck what yeah. the fuck is your exit <laughs> strategy yeah. from the planet? Not just from business or whatever. So I find, I just, I remember reading this guy and I was just like, oh, he's so right. What? So what it is, what is the fucking exit strategy? So we talk about all sorts of things in life, but do you want to live the rest of your, the last of your 10, 20 years in and out of hospital? With somebody wiping your ass? (laughs) Right? No. So when we're talking about that physical side, we don't talk about... The, the future, and it's tough, again, when you're a young person because you're invincible and you're ready to go. But if you have these yep. conversations with young people, they're pretty perceptive. So you can kind of plant that seed in a younger person's mind yep. to say, right now, you are actually at the top of your game. You know, like I look at some of our member, young members here, I'm just in awe of them, like in awe of what they're capable of doing. Like Adam, like I'm just, the kid's amazing. Like good on him, right? So, you know, and and other young people here that just work so hard and and I think they get it, right? Like they're really pushing the envelope and I just, they just enlighten me. 
And I hope that's something that they keep up for oh, the rest of their lives. Yeah. Maybe not the, in, the maybe not as intense wow. or whatever, but like, yeah. you know, I hope that, I hope that that's something that's instilled in them and they, they want to continue moving for the rest of their lives. Cause like you said, that last 10, 20 years, oh, years. is still going to be good <laughs> if you keep this up. Right. So what I try, what I, I hope that we can talk to our young people is like, don't just think about right now. And even somebody in their, you know, I'm in my fifties. You know, but I'm still... She doesn't look it. Uh, she doesn't act it, but... I don't act it. We'll <laughs> agree on that. Um, so what is, what is you see your future as? So I have a physician friend. I remember she said to me this years ago where we were at the gym together. Imagine mm-hmm. that. And we're both on a spin bike and we're chatting away. And she's like, you know... And she was having a bad day at the clinic. And she was kind of venting to me. She said, I have patients coming in now in their 40s. And they want me to fix them. She said they want a pill or they want a surgery because the knee is gone or whatever. And she's like, they're 40 pounds overweight. They don't move. Their diet isn't great. And she said, as a physician, this is, again, this is her venting to me, you know, woman to woman. Mm -hmm. What the hell do I say to that? Like, do I say, well, drop 40 pounds, do this. And, you know, again, there she's trying to be compassionate and understanding and sort of, and my thing is, I would look at them like, I'm not a physician, but thank God. I'd be like, what is your, like, this is your future. Yeah. Are you going to be in and out? So that's why I always say it's like, you have to be proactive about your, your physical ability. Never mind cognitively. That will come with that as well, too, right? When you're eating yeah. well, moving well, everything kind of flows well. Um, there was an Ironman triathlete named Lou Hollander, and he was in his 80s. And he would still do full Ironman events, make it under the cap under that 17 hours. <sighs> and he, people would, I think he was like an aerospace engineer or something like that. And he was still working, still teaching um, at, at 80 years of age. And people would be like, you know, how do you, how do, you do what you do? And he said, well, if you, if you want to be fit and functional at 80, you better damn well pay attention at 40. And, and, and that's the thing. So here's the thing. So if we have conversations with people like that out and about, my kids, your, your members, whomever, that will spread to somebody. It'll spread to somebody. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> yeah. well, well, they can't deny that they didn't hear it. Right. Yeah. So that's what you say. Yeah. So that's sort of um, things that I, I do think about and the things that I do talk about. Um, you know, uh, you get to a certain age, things start to slow down. It's hard. But if you don't keep moving the needle a little bit, it'll be harder. Yeah. Right? Well, for sure. So. If you stop squatting, you'll lose the ability to squat. If mm-hmm. you stop doing stairs, mm-hmm. you'll lose the ability to do stairs. And yeah. I've seen that happen in the past little bit with, with my wife's uncles and aunts and I've seen it happen with my with my grandpa when he got sick and got cancer and was doing Mm -hmm. less and it's just and with my mom too Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. you start doing less and you're able to do less and Mm -hmm. I remember you know being at my mom and dad's Mm -hmm. house and telling my you know my mom to walk to the back room sit sit on the couch and stand up five times walk Mm -hmm. to the front living room sit on the chair and stand up five times it's like she's like what the hell are you doing (laughs) like keeping you moving yeah 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 you know and um so on, on the flip side of that, I also feel a lot of compassion and understanding to the people who, who aren't receptive to that. And, I'll, and, and the reason why is it's really hard because there's a major pushback. Everybody wants the quick fix. 
everybody wants the pill or whatever because our environment on advertising and it is really it is a huge push for all of us to push back against that is really hard to do no I should be choosing this to eat and choosing this to do and this much water to drink and not soda and all this stuff but if you look around in society there's not a lot of do you see commercials about, oh, you should drink water? No, but you see a lot of Diet Coke commercials. Or, you know, there's, I don't know, I swear to God, as soon as I think of wanting a hamburger, there's like, I don't know how many Big Mac commercials pop up. Like, I, you know, it's like <laughs> everything is very much against a healthy um, lifestyle. Yep. I don't see a lot of advertisements um, for a lot of fitness. No. Nope. You know, I see a lot of vacations and drinking and... I, I'm quite amazed, to be honest with you, at how much um, I had a girls' weekend, for example, out at the lake last summer. And I have a different, I have a, I'm very sensitive to addictions and bad behaviors. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, down the road <laughs> here. But um, I wanted to, I'm, I very much love to host because how I show how much I love my friends. And the people in my life is, I like to serve them. I know what their favorite foods are. I like to have things around. I want them to feel welcome. I always do little gift bags. I try to make them personal. Um, because I truly do love my network of people. And I Googled, I went on Google, and I said, non-alcoholic gift ideas for a girl's weekend. Do you know that not one thing popped up? <laughs> Everything was about wine and this and, you know, the socks that say, if you can read this, bring me a bottle of wine. Everything is alcohol push. And I was like, look, I'm not against having drinks. Please, no, I don't want to put that out there. Like, hey, I'm not a prude. Um, but I, I found it very difficult to have, um, with everything not being alcohol-based or substance-based type of thing as a gift for the girls. Like, it was everything to do with alcohol. And then you go into a liquor store, everything's these flavor vodkas and all that. We're very marketed to, to live an unhealthy life. Yep. And you don't even know what's happening to you. Like, Facebook right now is just advertising. Facebook is built on advertising. Yep. You know, when you click in something, all of a sudden you get all these ads for, you wanted to buy a new mattress, so you did some research, and all of a sudden you're getting shit just come at you about, mattress ads or you even just talk about it and then you open up your phone and all this stuff listening. is yeah oh, they're, they're listening to us they're listening the man the, the guy behind the you know it's like the wizard of oz the guy yeah. behind the curtain they're listening yeah <laughs> um they are so in all fairness to people who want that lifestyle and that it there's more against them than for them until you can get them into an environment then you can really teach them and help them and support them Right, So we don't have enough of that, I believe, as a society, especially in North America, because everything's quick, everything's fast, everything's flashy, everything's that sell, 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 right? So, yep. And I come from a marketing background, so I see that. I'm very aware for that. So yes, you can say, you got to do this, you got to do that. But at the end of the day, it's you know what? It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. People are looking for the quick fix, like you said, the pill, and, <sighs> and there's a point where well and not that there is a magic pill for everything mm -hmm. but there's a point where no pill is going to help mm -hmm. you like you know if you're 40 pounds overweight and you're 40 years old in another 10 years where are you going to be right. 50 60 pounds overweight 100%. like it's yeah. 
there's no pill that's going to fix that. You might be able to go and get surgery, but if you still mm-hmm. have those same lifestyle habits, mm-hmm. you're going to end up putting that weight back on. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I only say this to, just for, for an awareness conversation. By no means do I understand certain people's, like, why they're where they are. It could be a lot of pain and trauma that got them there. Like, I am very sensitive to that, and I, I, I do this because I say, just have a... Just sit down and think about it for yourself, right? Like, if you're not happy where you are, where could you go? Can you seek out friends, a, a doctor to give you on the right path or whatever? We're, we all get put into a place sometimes we didn't expect and that we didn't mean to end up in. So when I speak like this, I'm not saying you should do this. No, no. I understand that this is really hard to do. And I, I hear that and I see that. But just take that one next right step. It could be super tiny. And, and you know, and... Keep, keep going with that. You know what? I, I don't know if you're part of the James Clear... Um, email list. I kind of put it in our, in our newsletter for the gym. And, uh, it was interesting because his last newsletter. So that came out yesterday, thinking clearly being bold and making each day a masterpiece. Um, he said, if you'd like to do something bold with your life, you will have to choose to do something bold on a specific day. There's no perfect day. There's no right time for the trajectory to change. There has to be one day where you simply just make the choice. Oh, it's beautiful. And I, I just wrote, this is, this is by Corey King. <laughs> um, I, I just, don't know if you've heard of her. <laughs> no, I, but you know, so I had just made a little bourbon. I, I'm not a big poster on social media, but this one I felt really compelled to say the other day and, and there was a reason for it, but it's like when you find yourself not knowing what to do, facing a tough day or feeling adrift, remember this, just do the next right thing. It might be as simple as getting out of bed. It might be as simple as making a meal, going to class. Just do the next right thing. Enough of those, and you will continue to move forward, even in baby steps. That's enough. That's enough. So, like I said to you earlier, even before we started, was none of what we need to do has to be grand grand and big and bold it's just the little things consistently every day and maybe if you just look around you and you see that one person in the gym or at work or at school and you can just say one good thing to them might change everything going forward and I'm a huge believer in that because people have done that for me you know so and again comes right back to the fitness there's no good time to start you just gotta start and it's, um, it's not gonna be easy no, starting either it's not easy like, it's not easy when we've been doing it for a long time you and i've talked about this like yeah. today's a really bad day you know i'm, I'm or, or a bad week but you still just get in and move and you always feel better after like i've yes. never I, i've had some crappy days and it's just yes always feel better after jumping into a class and and mm-hmm. doing something 100 percent. even walking around the block with fresh air and a bird singing well not right now with birds but you know <laughs> you'll hear a snowplow go by yeah but you know it's just it's sometimes it's just that one foot forward yeah to keep you going and ask yourself what could be worse if you don't what could be worse if you don't do this and no. you know you'll come up with a lot of reasons right or a yeah. lot of like it could be w- more weight gain less strength, 
less endurance. Like you like to go shopping at Polar Park and you're tired when you walk from one end of the mall to the other? Okay. Yeah. You know, but you like shopping, get fit, man. You're cruising that mall. Whatever is your thing, you know, and then we worry. So when we're sitting doing nothing, we're feeling worse every day. What happens to the mind? Follows the body. The mind follows the body, right? So what are some of the things that we can do to combat that? And you're starting out in life and you have no idea you're feeling lost or you're feeling, I like to call that, that manic space in the head that just keeps spinning. One thing you can do is like buy a book. My God, you can e-book it now and pay, you know, $3 for the book. Mm -hmm. Read something that might put you in the right direction. Talk to somebody you know who's active. Well, what do you do? Well, what's it like? Mm-hmm. Um, go talk to your family doctor. Well, what do you think I should do? You know, they have things too that can help you get started, right? It, and not just a pill and not just a fix. But, yep. you know, it's just the little things. Again, it's just doing the next right thing to get you on the, the road to physical development. Because then... Once that gets going, you can start addressing the other mountains in our life, right? We have to start somewhere. So mm-hmm. let's just tie a shoelace yeah. and start from there. I think, I, and I've seen it over the years, how physical capacity breeds confidence. And mm. it's like, whether it's at school, whether it's at mm-hmm. work, you know, somebody mm-hmm. coming here for months has come up to me and said like I went and applied for this job that's come up for the past five years and I finally got it and I had the confidence to go and do it and it's like mm-hmm. holy shit like who the hell knew that doing some thrusters and some burpees and some pull-ups and stuff like that would would change somebody like that just mentally physically mm-hmm. and and you know give them sort of that confidence oh. boost to like you know go and get that it fires me up when I hear yeah. that because that just makes me so happy because like oh they're on their way yeah. they're gonna stumble they might fall back if you but they're on their way yeah. right I love that and another thing too is also develop develop a mantra what do you need to tell yourself every day mine is like I'm comfortable being uncomfortable even in burpees even in burpees there was a lot today yeah. <laughs> you know what it, because if there's a really good book, and I recommend it. It's called The Dopamine Nation um, by Anna uh, Lemke. Like, it's really good, and it talks a lot about how the dopamine system works in our body and our rewards, right? And how pain actually can be a reward because you can wire your brain that once it knows it goes through this painful thing, whether it be emotionally or physically, there's actually this dopamine release of pleasure, and you can learn and train to get there where, you know, those people are like, oh, you know, when you feel after run, you're just like, oh, it feels really good. That's that it, your the brain knew the pain to get to the dopamine and it's a natural balance instead of taking mm-hmm. a substance to, you know, control your dopamine. So that's another thing for fitness, right? It gets you on that, that metaphysical, do, you know, uh, the chemistry in the brain. So being uncomfortable comfortably. And the only way to get there, and I'm sure everybody's heard the lobster analogy. When a lobster grows, it gets really uncomfortable in its shell. Like painfully so. And it has to break off that shell to grow a new shell. It has to go through that growth period. That really sucks. 
I hate to say it, breweries never get better, <laughs> right? But in order to change that, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, or whatever, it's going to be uncomfortable. Don't think for a minute any of that is going to be easy. But you have to be willing to ask yourself, do I walk into, do I walk into that full head? And I think that's something that I just naturally have always been. I've always walked in to pain and uncomfortable and stress. I purposely jump into it. I think that's how I've always been wired because I've had enough trauma that I know that if I don't jump into it, I, I'm going to stay lingering in this pain for too long and I don't want to be here any, any longer than I have to be. So I have never been shy of, for me. I'm only speaking for me. I've never been, I've been scared, but I've never let that stop me. So I have literally jumped in to that so many times. So that has become my, my mantra. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. And what's a really, um, you know, it's, it's really tough to tell people that, well, it hurts. I don't want to do it. This is really scary. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that. So then ask yourself, then what is the alternative? Mm -hmm. And if that alternative is you can live like that, I don't know for how long. Okay, then. But I promise you on the other side of this, I promise you, you will never regret it. Your life will change in ways you had no idea what was going to come for you. But you've got to have a bit of faith and, and, and courage. And, and another thing I always say, to, especially to my kids, what is the most courageous thing you can do? Do you know, Paul? What do you think the most courageous thing you could do is? Lay your life down for someone else. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. But no. <laughs> it's, but it's a beautiful thing. You know what the most courageous thing to do every day, and especially with yourself, is to tell the truth. That takes courage. Because sometimes it's going to lead you to a place that you are not happy with. Tell the truth. And I'm not just saying tell the truth to your relationships, your people around you, or just telling the truth about whatever. Tell it to yourself. That's tough to do when you're sitting at the edge of your bed and you're trying to say, what do I need to do? What's going on? But when you really start to answer those questions, because you know the answers, they're really ugly, some of them. So when you can start telling yourself, and I, I, you practice every day, you tell the truth every day. I'm a huge believer on that because that only makes you, f forces yourself to look at yourself. And when you can say, I'm not happy where I am, I don't like how I'm behaving, I don't like the, you know, some of the things that are going on in my life, and if I'm honest about it, then it's a start. It's a starting point to change it. That's hard to do. But it's worth some thinking on, you know? Yeah. It's worth some thinking on, I don't like this. What do I have to do? Again, Fitness can be a start to the journey of everything. So I'll always come back to that. Even through all the mountains, I, I think, again, my, one of my st strongest mountains is my physical mountain because it's, it's been the basis for everything for me. When Bill and I have gone all through this, like his hardest mountain was that emotional mountain. And I think for some men, not all men, 
it's a really tough one because we weren't, we didn't teach men to really be super emotional and really kind of get in touch with your feelings and dudes don't really talk about super personal things all the time. Not all, some do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that one he had to really, he has to really work on because he wasn't raised that way either, right? Because then also how you're raised is a lot of your foundation, yep. <laughs> you know, good or bad and the ugly. So, um, you know, another thing too I forgot to mention is when people, when, when the challenges against people wanting to start in that way of life and we've got advertising and we've got, you know, all this shit coming at us and McDonald's fries, which by the way are still the best fries ever. Uh, <laughs> I love the salt. But there's another good book I'll recommend. It's called uh, The Madness of Crowds. And it's by an author <clears throat> called Douglas Murray. He's, he's quite a, a smart little English dude. And he's really good at sort of articulating um, how society, how we are bombarded all the time with divisiveness and advertising and all this stuff and how it actually changes how you think. So I'll just, again, he says it better than I do. So it's like the unbelievable speed of this process has been principally caused by the fact that a handful of businesses in Silicon Valley, and he goes after Google and Twitter and Facebook, because really that's kind of everybody Googles and Twitters and Facebooks, right? Um, Now have the power not to just direct most people in the world to know, think, and say they have a business model which has acted accurately been described as relying on finding customers ready to pay to modify someone else's behavior. So they they have designed a way of advertising, marketing, and de- being divisive. I mean, look at the fights on Twitter. Look at the, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> People pay. Companies pay to have that built into their system. So when I say changing these behaviors in life is hard, it's going to be hard because you're going to have to acknowledge that there's things all around you that want to keep you distracted. And part of that decision could be to not spend as much time on your device it and could be. using it mindlessly. It could be. Yeah. Uh, it could be a lot of other things. It could be when you're driving down the, the Henderson Highway and there's tw- 12 cannabis stores now. <laughs> At <laughs> or, least, yeah. Right? No, I'm just saying. Yeah, like, it's crazy. It's coming. And I, again, no judgment. I'm not, I'm just saying, but mm. it is a distraction. Those things... McDonald's and cannabis and alcohol and all these other behaviors that if you have a healthy relationship with them, it's fine. But Mm -hmm. if you have an unhealthy relationship with those things, whether it be food or a substance, then, then this whole thing that we just talked about is really hard to do. So just be mindful of that. That's even just the first step is being aware of that. So So that's. So now, now close a bunch of businesses and gyms and, volleyball <laughs> don't even start on that one and what, then leave the <laughs> cannabis stores and the mcdonald's and everything open well, yeah and, right? right and i just keep thinking and what's the worst thing you could have in a pandemic an event center when you bring people together no a gym when people get together like yeah. it's like oh man did we get slapped in the face on that one eh yeah yeah why didn't we it, own a pizza place like we would have made millions yeah I was, I was, I made a little joke and I took our sign out front and I said, like, now we sell cannabis and wood-fired pizza oh. and whatever. <laughs> it's like. Funny guy. Yeah. Oh. Lord, oh, Lord. 
Yeah, I can't believe all the cannabis stores and the, the vape shops and everything that's opened up in the past several years. And it's like, hey, there's mm-hmm. a good business model. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're... You're guaranteed. Yep. Death exactly. and taxes and substance. You are guaranteed profit. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it, again, I'm a little more sensitive to that. Like, I really... I don't want to say anti that, but I just like, we don't, you have to learn to drive a car. You have to, if you, again, I come from a family of uh, trappers and hunters and fishermen. Like you have to, you want to be a trapper. You have to take courses and you want to learn to get a gun license. You have to take your, you have to get accredited. You have to get, you know, a license and which is all good. You know, it's safety. It's all for our safety, right? Driver's license, everything. So do you know that alcohol and cannabis, because it's not legal, and all those other things out there. Nobody teaches you how to use it in a safe, proper way. Like alcohol, it's a poison. You could die from it. Mm-hmm. The high concentrated levels of THC right now that you can buy, whether it be vape pens, shatter, dabbing, all this. I sound like an expert. I'm not. I don't know what any I know. that is. It's just really high concentrates of THC. Okay. There is studies that have been shown that high levels of THC used in large amounts can put you into psychosis. You can overdose with THC. You can have too much and end up like throwing up because the body is trying to get people. My physician friends see it in the emergency room all the time. What does that do to a young developing brain? Just think about that for a minute. Right? So I have a bit of fear for that and I feel like we regulate the shit out of everything else and everybody else but when it comes to this stuff there really is no regulation there really is no don't get high and drive you know you know or like how much is too much do you know what your limits are and not only that do you know what your friends limits are when you're with them like there's all these things that we again I know a lot of that might have to do with parenting I totally respect that but some of the parents, they don't have a clue because it's kind of new, all this stuff too, right? So again, there's not a lot of um, education around it. I think maybe that's what a, it really boils down to. There is not proper education about it. Yeah. And, you know, in the perfect world, we would have full clarity. We wouldn't be under the influence of anything, whether it be, again, food addictions, alcohol, whatever it is, you know, the media coming at you with bullshit um, and have a clue being able to have clarity to make better choices. And when you kind of keep dumbing down everybody with, hey, it's okay to be high now, I feel like you might lose a little bit of clarity. Again, not for everybody. There's some people, it's no problem. But there is a very, you know, small percentage of our population that have a very unhealthy relationship with the substance. And that, that's just really sad. Sad, I'm sad makes me sad because I, I care, God damn it. Like, I really do care about my fellow person. And I want them to live the best possible life that they can have. So I talk about it. <laughs> I just talk about it. Oh. And that there's no judgment and there's absolutely no shame. Just maybe be aware. Yep. You know? And then we can move on to the really hard one. The emotional mountain. Maybe we'll wrap this episode up here. <laughs> okay. And then you and I are going to keep going, but okay. I think we'll we'll wrap this up okay. and then we can tackle the emotional mountain. Absolutely. 
on the next episode. Yeah, we might take a, have to take a breather on that one. Not, we don't need like half an hour, but no. you know. Yeah, yeah. I get you. Okay, awesome. sounds good. Okay, so Kay. thank you everyone for listening to part one <laughs> <laughs> of Corey's five mountains. How many more mountains do we have, Corey, after this emotional mountain? Well, we only really did the first one. <laughs> So we got like four more. But but I promise you, there's two that won't be as long. (laughs) I promise you, people who are listening, I'm so sorry. Um, But the third one, the next one we'll talk about, we're jumping the number two. We're going to jump that one and save it for after. It will be a big one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys next week while we talk about Corey's emotional mountains. And uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this (laughs) episode and hopefully it made you a little bit better than yesterday. See you soon. Thank you for making the time to listen to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Stark Strength and Conditioning. If you liked our show, please head over to the iTunes store and give us a rating. If you have any questions or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear us cover or people you think should be on this show, please let us know so we can make it happen. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that this podcast makes you better than yesterday.